he was really my spiritual father and it really hurt and it caused a lot of divisions but i was like you know this is what this is what the scripture says but this is what this is what christianity is saying and these things are not adding up he started telling us that girls you need to you need to dress for your future husbands you shouldn't be dressing for anyone else you and i'm sitting there <laughs> as a 10 year old going i'm 10 why am i wor- why should i be worried about how i'm dressing the openness and sharing and the honesty and how difficult that is because you it, it can be used against you and when that happens you know a, a time or or maybe two if you'll even after the first time will open yourself up again it it's uh it's really painful and it, and it becomes you, you feel really isolated come over me for this guy and it, it, just his facial expressions looking around like i don't belong here mm. and that made me feel so sad and i was just like i don't belong here either then so pervasive in that culture of like this this idea of american exceptionalism and and like we have to have this flag and we have to be like if if you aren't for the war if you aren't for whatever then you're not really christian and i'm like how does that fit with a cross um and and that i think kind of shattered the like the, the armor already had a lot of chinks yeah. But that kind of like was the final blow to be like, okay, I don't know that this is true. And I'm kind of starting to believe that it's not. For the most part, I kept those questions to myself um, because I started to get this feeling um, as much as I loved my church, as much as I loved um, the people there, as much as I felt like this strong sense of belonging, I, I, I really did not feel like it was an okay place to ask really difficult questions. But I I have always thought that that's so not toxic, but like unhealthy because it's teaching us how to be clever and like sneaky with things that we're doing. The Scott Steven podcast presents a deconstructing faith series where we look at people's stories of what was built, what was lost, and what was found in between. Episode 10, Emily Haynes. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Scott Stebbin Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. I definitely appreciate all the love and support you have on this new series that I've been working on. Um, and really, it, it wouldn't be possible without just the wonderful guest I have. And, and with me today is another wonderful guest, uh, Emily Haynes. So, Emily, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. <laughs> so, Emily, for those who may not know you, go ahead and just kind of do like a quick introduction about who you are and kind of what you're doing. Um, so right now, um, I am a stay at home mom. I have three kids, two older kids, um, nine and seven, and then a one month old child, um, just kind of navigating like the new mom life almost again. Cause you know, it's been a while since I've had a baby. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's kind of what I've been up to lately. Um, Good. 
Good. Um, so, um, yeah. So, man, just having a baby, man, I, I couldn't even imagine. I mean, I think we're I think Laura and I are done with kids at this yeah. point. So <laughs> we're like after our, our second one, it's like, yeah, we're done. Um, yeah. But yeah. And push up. It's and I'm assuming it's all three boys, right? Yeah. Three boys. Yeah. Oh, boy. Wow. So <laughs> like uh, be... WWE up in here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The older well, two are constantly just on top of each other. Just ugh. yeah. <laughs> so Emily, just go ahead and just kind of describe a little bit of just kind of what was life growing up, and especially in relation to your faith development and and even your church life. So um, I grew up in church I, as long as I could possibly remember. I've always been in church. My mom was a secretary at a church for I think thirteen years, um, and we were in church pretty much every time the doors were open Wednesday nights, Sunday, Sunday nights. I mean, I, I was almost a pastor's kid. Cause I was there just as much as the pastor's kids were. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so I grew up in a, in kind of a Southern Baptist type church. Um, a lot of like politics, but I was, I was young. I didn't really know um, everything going on behind the scenes. Um, like I do now as now that I'm older um and growing up in church really shaped uh who I am now a little bit um as far as the things I believe and um how my family life is and everything as well um so and I guess even um growing up like I would always try to be in church and and different things but um, there were a few scenarios that had happened along the way that kind of made me question like, okay, well, maybe church isn't really what I thought it was going to be. Like as a child, you always see like, oh, VBS, this is super fun. Like, you know, and youth group, this is super fun. And then, you know, sometimes you go in and somebody is having a, a bad day and it kind of puts a, a bad taste in your mouth for like church and the people that are there. And so I guess that's kind of Part, partly why I have questioned um, going to church mm. right now. And, you know, there's a lot of different things that have happened over the years. So, yeah. And it, it, so it's, I mean, I think it's very interesting that you say, you know, with being in, you know, vacation Bible school, kids club, youth group, you know, a lot of times when we're growing up, it's like, hey, we're here at church, we're having fun, we're learning about Jesus. Mm-hmm. but we're still having fun. And then you're with other people, your age who are right. also there having fun. So it's almost like a community in some ways. It is. Yeah. It's like, it's kind of like a, it's almost like you have your, and I don't know if this was, if this was how it was for, for you growing up, but I always felt like I'd always would go to church and I'd have like my friends from church and then I would go to school and then I have my school friends and then I have my church friends. And sometimes those circles never really, overlapped and sometimes they would right. I mean sometimes they would but sometimes they would overlap so did you ever have experiences like that was it always an overlap or were they two separate like communities so it was two separate communities um I lived in Waynesboro um and the church that I went to was in Fishersville um so most of the people that I was friends with at church went to like Wilson or um maybe even like Stewart Straft or something and I went to <laughs> Waynesboro High School so kind of our friend groups were two separate groups um, occasionally I knew people, 
um, at school that would know people that I knew at church or vice versa. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just, as far as it being a community, I, I did, I did feel like, um, I had a lot more friends, I guess, at church than I hung out with it at school. So, yeah. 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 And, and, and I, and I, and I kind of get that. Cause I feel like that was kind of very similar to me. Like, even if it wasn't people from my church, there'd be other Christians I knew at school that we would connect either through like fellowship of Christian athletes or some other type of a club. So as you were kind of talking about your early faith development, you talked about, you know, having fun as a kid, having fun as teen, and then you become, I guess, like an adult, I guess, like kind of like, um, oh, I don't even know, emerging adult or kind of a young adult in some ways. And, and, and then you say that, you know, there were some things that just kind of left a bad taste in your mouth. So, so what, so like, what specifically were some things that you kind of felt like, ooh, this is, this doesn't seem to line up with what I thought church was or what I believe that the Bible teaches? Um, so I guess one of um, the first things that really um, just caught my attention to like, oh, you know, what, what is this going on? Cause this is not, you know, what I thought church was, was um, I was, I guess, 19 years old. Um, and I had just had my oldest Liam um and the church I was going to was kind of old-fashioned you know they they wanted women to like be more modest wear like long dresses long skirts like down you know past their knees and stuff and like I was going there because one of my friends went to this church and so um I was kind of um part of this church like I, they had asked me to like be part of like their choir. Like I had gotten baptized with this church. Um, and then I got pregnant and all of a sudden it's kind of like the dynamic changed, um, Mm -hmm. because I was a teen mother and I wasn't married. Um, and it's kind of like, they didn't want me there at that point. And I, I could feel it. It was a different dynamic between me and the other members of this church. And so that's kind of when I was like, I mean, what, what's going on here? You know, because before I'm, you know, before I got pregnant, you know, you were all about me being here. And now, because I don't fit this uh, version of me that you, you you know, you don't want me here because I am outside of God's will or whatever, you know, Hmm. Um, that's, that's kind of how I felt. And so I stopped going to that church um, and it broke my heart because I loved the people there and I thought that they loved me as well. And, you know, I, it was like, it was very emotional for me because I was baptized there. You know, I reaffirmed my faith with this church. Um, I would go there because my friends were there and, you know, all of a sudden like the dynamics changed and it kind of really, that was like the first experience that really just like left a bad taste in my mouth for people that call themselves Christians, but don't really live out, I guess, what they're, what they're preaching. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. 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 And, and I guess, I guess my fault question to that is why do you, why do you think that is? Um, I think that people have a, a vision of what they think Christianity is mm. um, and what they think that, you know, is a sin and not a sin. And I, I feel like people pick and choose the sins to pinpoint. Um, and unfortunately I think that, um, uh, you know, unmarried mothers are very looked down upon um because you know 
they're they're seen as you know they're they're having sex outside of marriage you know mm-hmm. like they're you know they're not doing better for themselves you know they should be doing this or this or this it's you know they're constantly being judged for what they're not doing instead of like who they are as a person you know just because you're an unmarried mother doesn't mean that you're not capable of love capable of being knowledgeable you know it doesn't mean that you're making bad choices it just means that you know maybe some of the choices don't line up with what the church wants but that doesn't mean that it should be you know a bad thing for them to be part of your church either so yeah and and it's 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 fascinating because when we look at when we look at scripture you know it's very easy for us to get boggled, bogged down in sin. And this is, this is sinful and that's sinful. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do any of this. But then you have to go back to, at least there's two stories I always go back to. I always go back to the story of the woman caught in adultery where they bring her to Jesus. And Jesus basically just says, if you're without sin, cast the first stone. Right. And it's, and it's stuff like that where it's like, and of course everybody, you know, all the older people drop, you know, the elders and then all the way down to the younger people drop their stones. So the only people who were left were Jesus and this woman. Right. And then Jesus didn't condemn her. And then there's the other story where Jesus comes and journeys through Samaria and he meets the Samaritan woman and he asks her for water. And she's questioning that, like, why are you asking me for water? You're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. You're not supposed to do that. And mm-hmm. Jesus is just saying, I'm thirsty. Can you give me some water? And that, but then he's just having a conversation with her. And then next, thing you know, he, he says, yeah, you know, you've been, you've been married and divorced five times. And the person you're living with now is not even your husband. It's like, he knew all these things about her. And yet he was just very respectful and very polite. I I think that's how the church should be too, you know? Um, But unfortunately that's not always how it is. (laughs) Oh yeah. Um, Yeah. And, 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 and and I mean, I might, I'm going to get on my soapbox here. So I do apologize. No, no, you're fine. You're fine. (laughs) You know, I feel like, cause you mentioned earlier, you know, growing up within the SBC and you mentioned, you mentioned the word politics or sometimes it could be, get political within church. Yeah. I remember my mom just Mm -hmm. always talking about the politics of the church and I never really understood what that meant until recently. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's so fascinating because, you know, we can look at, like, even like if we looked at things like, you know, things about the sanctity of life and, you know, the church has been always anti-abortion and, you know, which, you know, okay, I, right. I, I agree with that. And yet when you, someone says that they're pro-life and yet when you have a single mother coming into your church that may be down on her luck or trying to work two jobs to just afford the diapers to put on the kid. Right. And it's almost like the church is just kind of like, has like this, almost like this stuck up nose arrogance like oh well you don't mm-hmm. fit our mold you you don't fit the mold it's almost like well you you want me to and it's not necessarily like they're saying it's you like have they, they want to save the baby while they're inside of you but then once the baby comes out then they want to judge the the situation that's oh that's yeah what i feel like absolutely you i mean yeah just get a hammer hit that nail on the head yeah exactly and sometimes it goes well wait a minute if we are you know and that's always the thing i always think about the just even outside of the church's politics in general, just how sometimes you could have someone to say, well, I'm pro-life. It's like, well, if you're pro-life, are you pro-all life? Because right. if you're saying you're pro-all life, then that means you would help, help the, you know, the struggling family you would help, or even you would help to take care of the kid who to get the help or to get adequate care, even to get the mental health resources. So they don't get into a life of crime and, 
then they're on death row and then you're like well we're for the death penalty i'm like wait a minute i thought you were for life what 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 are you for death penalty like (laughs) like stuff like that where you scratch your head and go wait this doesn't make sense um just pro unborn life (laughs) oh yeah oh yeah they're just just stuff only in the womb but we don't care about anything else after after that baby has made its exit um (laughs) so when we think about that, so you've had that situation, was there any other situations or things you've seen in the church that still continue to led to these cracks uh, or led to the, the more of a bitter taste in your mouth? Yeah. So, um, I mean, as a kid, I guess, you know, you don't really think about what they're teaching the kids at, at the time, because you're just like, Oh yeah, this is, this is great. You know, I'm around my friends. Like, Um, I, but I guess the older I've gotten, like, I kind of look back at some of the teachings that the Southern Baptist church was kind of teaching. And I mean, I guess it's not really just Southern Baptist. It's kind of just like church in general. Mm -hmm. Um, but when they talk to the young girls, um, it's like, they're teaching them to be modest because men will find them attractive or find or, or sin because of how you're dressing. And it's like, they're teaching this to like nine and 10 year old girls. And it's like, you're teaching them that they should be modest because men can't control their urges. And that's another thing that I I just look at now. And I'm just like, I don't agree. (laughs) I don't agree with that. Men men shouldn't be looking at little girls that way. (laughs) Well, exactly. Yeah. And we had a guest, I had a guest who, talked about the same thing she was probably like 10 years old and someone's saying you need you need to dress modest and you need to dress for your you need to dress in such a way that would please your future husband and it's right. like yeah I mean I don't know any 10 year olds that I know that are thinking about their future husband no not at I all. I don't know any 10 year olds <laughs> that are planning their wedding right now I mean maybe like you know princess wedding or something like in their dreams but like not not in real life <laughs> yeah like maybe tea party and then they have like kermit the frog and that's like yeah. husband or something <laughs> or like, like the barbies or something <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah but as far yeah because i remember being taught like to dress modestly because of how we could cause a man to sin or you know especially in youth group um youth group was like they were they doubled down on that teaching and they, they wouldn't let girls and guys be friends or like even hang out in the same groups together, like at camp or anything because of that teaching. And I'm just like, this is ridiculous, you know, like, and back then, like, I guess I tried to understand like, okay, well, this is a church camp. They don't want, you know, any weird things to be happening at church camp. I get that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but as an adult now, I'm just, I look back on it and it's just kind of a weird, a weird thinking to me like yeah yeah and, and it's and it's very interesting too because you know i've i mean i've done a couple episodes well actually I did a three-part series on sex in the church and this idea of this modest or purity culture that keeps coming up and yeah. it's so fascinating that now when you look kind of when that was in its heyday back in like you know the 90s early 2000s that there was so much pressure on women that they had to be respectful and act a certain way. Mm -hmm. And then for guys, it was just like, it's almost like, it's almost like we're, we're, we're pummeling you. And then all we get is a slap on the wrist. Now guys, you need to control yourselves. And it's like, but it was always on you. And I can remember, and I even mentioned this earlier when I was working at camp and there'd be times where I'd be talking with my boss as we're trying to figure out what we're going to do for like, 
rainy day plans or what our evening activity is going to be. And we're sitting in the dining hall after lunch. And then all of a sudden, all the girl cabins are flowing into the dining hall. And I'm thinking, what in the world is going on here? And then, of course, I had to hear this thing. Ladies, I don't want to see your three B's. I don't want to see your boobs, your butt or your belly. And I'm looking around. I'm thinking, I don't see anybody dressed inappropriately here. Yeah. Like why even say that? <laughs> yeah. And, or even, or even like sometimes, cause even then, like, you know, when I used to go and I got to the age where I would shop for my own clothes and, you know, I go into like an old Navy or, or I used to shop at PAX sun. Like I was a big yeah. PAX sun shopper. Yeah. I they walk in there. Jeans. <laughs> yeah. But I would walk in there and sometimes it'd be like, well, what you're, expecting these women to wear i can't even find that in a store yeah i can't even find that in an old navy or even a walmart or anything it's like well if you want them to dress like a guy you can think of wear guy shirts <laughs> which most of the girls are anyway it's like oh this is my camp boyfriend so you're wearing a sweatshirt and it's like oh okay but for the most part it's like i don't know where they're gonna find like shorts all the way down to their knees because they don't have many shorts that go down to your knees. So they're just stuck to wearing like pants. And I mean, I, don't I was know made what to is... wear basketball shorts, yeah, like, like men's basketball, basketball shorts. shorts. Yeah. Because yeah. all the shorts that were made for girls are too short to wear to church. <laughs> oh yeah. So yeah, that was a struggle. <laughs> oh yeah. And then of course, and then of course, you know, you're getting blamed for it. The women are getting blamed for it. It's like, let's right. blame the fashion designers who are making these shorts for women that are not church appropriate. You know, maybe we should have some Christian, like, like we need Christian, uh, Christian, uh, fashion designers to not make like, like (laughs) Jesus, but it's in the Reese's logo on the shirt. Like, let's get some pants. I've seen those. Okay. I know. I've seen them too. I probably wore a couple of them. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness. So, yeah, I mean, so yeah, just like, it just seems like, and is there any is, is there anything else that you were you're starting to see within the church as you're getting older and you're just like, man, this is just not <laughs> feeling good. This is just not looking right. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot, honestly. I mean, um, people in my family <laughs> um, that were, I guess, elders of the church or um, members of like the the committees or whatever, you know, saying that they're these godly people, you know, you would think that they're godly leaders of the church that are like running the church and everything. And then, and then you see them at home outside of church, you know, not on a Sunday. And it's like, this is not who you are inside the church. Why Mm. are you like this? (laughs) Oh yeah. Um, So that, that kind of just, it makes me question like, is everybody in the church like that? Are all these leaders, like they're just these great people, like holy leaders on Sunday or Wednesday night or whenever they're in the church. And then, you know, when it comes time to just go home, are they, are they all like just abusive to their families? Are they all like, you know, terrible, these terrible people like drunks and just hypocrites outside of church. It's like, I don't, I don't know that. I guess that's something that's really made me question my faith over the years. Mm. I mean, so. Yeah. And I mean, if you, if you look I mean, if you look at all that, it's basically boils down to kind of two things, really. It's it's the judgment. It's judgment. But I think even overall, it's a character. Yeah. It's a right. certain I, character. I, mean, I try not to judge. I mean, because I know that, you know, we're all humans and mm-hmm. nobody's perfect. But as far as like the leaders of a church, you know, acting one way and preaching and, you know, 
being these holy individuals on Sunday and then completely being different outside of the church. It's just like, it doesn't sit right with me. Like, why not just be a good person? I mean, if you're going to be a leader in the church. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think, and I think that and you, you bring up a very interesting point because I can remember one time I was an intern, I was an intern at a church and I was, you know, kind of working with like a lot of the older adults and more families, but occasionally I jump in and help out with youth stuff. I kind of like looked at all aspects of the church and there is this one female teenager who I knew for years, like, you know, I knew her family was her brother, one of her brothers, like actually was in youth group with me. So I, I knew this woman very well. Yeah. And we, I think it was like, maybe like a winter, it was some type of retreat or something where she started to kind of break down and, and started talking. And she started talking about how her dad was calling her a, you know, like, and again, like an F and B. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, wait, this is a guy who's an elder. Mm-hmm. of the church that I go to a church that I'm the intern at. And there's a part of me that just got very upset and angry, like, wait, 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 wait. You know, a, first of all, you shouldn't be calling your daughter that anyway, period. Yeah. And B, you definitely shouldn't do it if you are in a leadership position at a church. Right. hundred percent. So, and I, I can remember, I, I talked to my advising pastor about this. I go, Hey, what do you do about a situation like this? And, and, you know, I just felt like that, it kind of got swept under the rug, you know, yeah. it was like, and it the, does, it, it does a lot. <laughs> and and I think it. a lot of times it gets yeah. swept under the rug because it depends on who the person is. Right. I, I mean, if, if it's like, well, it's someone who's, you know, their family's been a member of this church for 30 plus years, you know, they have more, they have more leeway to get away with junk. If there are people who, they give a large portion of finances to the church. We're going to tolerate some of this stuff that they're coming out. We're just going to ignore it because they need the money. Or, or even if it's someone that they're very beloved, like everybody just loves this person's like, but behind the curtain, they're kind of a jerk. And it's like, well, well no, 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 no. And it's, it's just, and again, it's, it goes back to, you know, politics. It goes back to yes. politics. It goes back to characteristics. It goes back to all this junk. And it's so sad that we see so many people like yourself and others who are just saying, you know, as a kid, I was taught and maybe, you know, again, the dressing thing besides the dressing thing, but you taught like, oh, here's what Jesus said. And here's how to be a good person. We're supposed to do all these good things. And these are good things. These are bad things. And then you become and then an you adult. grow up and realize the adults that were telling you that are, are acting the way that they told you not to. <laughs> exactly. And I mean, I had a situation that I had a situation with, um, again, where I found out that someone that I knew, someone who was a mentor to me was um, not doing things uh, biblically and actually was kind of doing things very sinfully. And I remember this was someone who told me, you know, well, you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. And all these things. And yet it was this, but then all the accusations that are coming out were something that he told me not to do. And I know he mentored me and another buddy of mine, and we were talking about it. And it was just like, basically everything he taught us on how to do ministry, how to be a minister, how to do all this stuff. It's like, he's doing the complete opposite of what he taught us. And, and, and we're scratching yeah. our heads going, well, what else did he, and we're in that point. What else did he taught us that he said, oh, this is what you need to do as a pastor. And it's like, 
good. This isn't good advice, which I found out the hard way that some of the stuff I was taught wasn't very good advice. <laughs> yeah, I had I had an old youth pastor um, that I thought was this great person. And here recently, I found out that there's some pretty shady stuff that he's been up to lately. <laughs> oh, no. So it's just it's just been um, very eye opening, I guess. Yeah. And <laughs> just to see like the reality of our humanness, I guess, outside of what we, what, what, who we are in church, I guess. Yeah. And, 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 and I, and I understand, and, and you mentioned it and you said it earlier, I understand we're human and we do make mistakes sometimes. And there's always yeah. going to be times where we're going to do something or say something that's not going to reflect the values of Jesus Christ. Right. And, and I understand, I get that. But then there's also a part of me that goes, well, how do we handle those situations? Right. And it seems like a lot of times, like, I mean, for an example, let's say, you know, if I'm a pastor and let's say I did something that was wrong, I mean, in whatever, whatever scenario that is, then either a, I have two options. First, if I'm called out on it, I could either accept it and say, yeah, I did it. Or I could deny it and lie about it, which a lot of them go for the latter than the former. But then there's other times where it's like, even if I did admit it, you know, yeah, I did it. A lot of times, even if they admit it, then they like to misdirect. Yeah, right. I did it. But I mean, if it's if it's a pastor who had an affair. Yeah, I did it. But she 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 tempted me and she was wearing. She, yeah, she came into my <laughs> office wearing a bikini during a during a session. So like, she was asking for it. Right. Oh, I mean. oh, 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 we can get into that topic. Real quick, no, I was but, being completely sarcastic about that. <laughs> oh, no, I know you were. Yeah. I know you were. <laughs> yeah. But, but uh, yeah, it's stuff like that where and, and we see so many cases where. So many people misuse their power in a way that causes damage. And at the and at the end of the day, it's never the leader that takes the brunt of the damage. And even right. if you had a, and I think and I believe that even if a leader admitted their failings, was repentant and say, Hey, look, I'm sorry, this is that, I'm gonna go get help, I'm gonna go this, then I think in some ways maybe there would be some grace and mercy where the leadership say, Okay, you know, we're gonna give you time off so you can go to take some time off, go to your counseling sessions, go to your retreats, do whatever you can. And then we'll reevaluate and see where you are from there. And then, and we'll go from right. there. And I think that's fair, but if you're going to go that and still lie, doesn't take away the damage that they've done. Yeah. Now. And, it, and you're right. And it doesn't take away the damage. And I think that's kind of a big thing too, that sometimes when sometimes there's some damage that is just can't be replaced, that just can't be forgiven. And I think over time you can forgive it, but not at that moment. It would be like if no. it'd be like if I like, I don't know, if I slapped your son or something and you're yeah. mad and, and you left the church and something like over time. And I, even if I said, hey, look, I'm sorry, I was, you know, out of my mind or whatever, you know, maybe right. you accept my apology, but you're not going to be trusting your son Liam to hang out with me you're probably not going to be coming back to my church that I'm the pastor at because you're just like "Eh." but over time I think there might be time where it's like okay well I have seen how this moment he said he was changing and I have seen progress and how he has changed right and I think that's always the key thing if I am seeing progress how he's changed and that he's still you know hey I'm so sorry blah 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 then I guess you know in some ways you can say okay over time I can probably forgive this guy for slapping my son because i have seen the change and how remorseful he is and how he is transforming to be a better person 
Yeah. I mean, you can, you can forgive. I mean, there, there, there's plenty of room for, for forgiveness, but mm-hmm. I mean, as far as, I guess, as far as like the, being a leader in the church goes, like you can, if you're going to be a leader in the church, I mean, I guess people do hold you up to a higher standard um, because if you cause damage or cause someone to question their faith in your position of power, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the, you can, you can ask for forgiveness and they might forgive you, but that damage is still going to be there. That, that, that memory of uh, that bad memory of being in, in that church is still going to be there with oh, yeah. that person. And so yeah. I, I guess as far as being like a leader in the church, um, I mean, I guess they should be held to a little bit of a higher standard than regular mm-hmm. members. I mean, yeah. yes, they're human and yes, they're going to make mistakes. But as far as, you know, major occurrences like uh, abuse or, you know, you know, mm-hmm. something along those lines, it's I just don't think that there's any room for that in like the leadership part of church. But unfortunately, I've seen that. I've seen it a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, it is, and it's, it, and I think a lot of times it all, I mean, again, it's a character thing. And I think a lot of times we, and maybe this is just things I'm thinking about now, but I think there's times within church in the church that over years, we have always taught about salvation mm. being simply, if I say a prayer or if I give my heart over to Jesus then not only am I saved from my sins and my sins are forgiven, but then when I die, I don't have to go to hell. And the problem with that is when we give our lives to Jesus, there's supposed to be a transformation and we're supposed to live like Christ. I mean, when Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me, that's a denial of self. And even Romans talks a lot about that, that we have to be living sacrifices to, to live as Christ and to die is gain. And it's almost like, and even I know, again, someone else on the show mentioned that, you know, she was sitting in college and she's at a Bible college and she mentioned about, oh, I'm saved so I don't go to hell. And someone asked the question, is that the only reason why you're saved? And she had to sit and think about it. And she goes, wow, like, like you never thought about that. And I think there's a lot of yeah. people who the only reason why they gave their lives to Christ is because they don't want to burn in hell when they die. Right. Not because they, they want to live a godly life, but because they just don't want to go to hell. Exactly. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, one, one topic that I wanted to discuss, and this is something that for those of you who are listening, usually anytime when people say, Hey, I have, especially when I started this conversation in this series, usually I ask people kind of a snapshot of what their stories is. And, and there was one topic that I thought was very fascinating and it had to do with certain elements of church life kind of being cultish. So Emily, I would love to hear your thoughts on this because it's very fascinating yeah. and I would love to explore this topic with you. So please share your insights with me. <laughs> yeah. So um, I guess, I guess my thinking on that has just kind of come about within the last four to six years or so um, because of what I, I guess I've seen church and politics kind of go hand in hand more recently than what I noticed in the past. And maybe that was just because I was younger and more naive about what Mm -hmm. church really was um, and about the people in the church. And maybe I just didn't understand as well back then because I was younger. Um, But I see a lot of people um, that go to church. um, They, you know, it kind of goes hand in hand about what we were talking about before. Like, you know, there, there are these people that are good in church and everything, and then different on the outside. But 
Um, as far as like what goes on within the church, um, you know, like, I guess with mostly with children's programs, like, you know, trying to teach children, like, this is, this is the absolute way. This is the only way you should be. Um, and then, you know, children are very, uh, their, their minds are very malleable. Like, you know, they just, they Mm -hmm. kind of believe anything you tell them. And I feel like teaching children like these absolute truths of Christianity, it's, it's kind of hard on a child because it's like, it doesn't give them a chance to explore what they really think. It's like, because, so like when I was a child, I, um, I only believed what my mom told me, Mm -hmm. what, you know, I was told to believe. And I never really got a chance to explore what I really thought to be true until after high school. I mean, when really when I moved out of my parents' house. Um, And I think that that kind of ties into it being like cultish because the children are taught to believe a certain way Mm. um, at a very young age. And I mean, I understand that like teaching like godly principles to kids and everything, like teaching them to mind their manners and everything. I understand that. But as far as like the purity culture, as far as like, this is how you should think, act, dress, believe. Um, I, I, I've just started to have an issue with that Yeah. as, as far as, you know, teaching kids that I guess. And that's, and that's interesting. Um, yeah, that's ooh, that's that's really good stuff because I, I can I can see it. I mean, I can I definitely understand. You know, I can even think about because there's times where even in my life and even just with other people's life, there'd be times where they'd have questions about yeah. things in that they're reading in the Bible, or maybe they have certain questions like, hey, like I mean, probably the most common thing is okay, where, where are the dinosaurs in the Bible? Right. And then depending on who your teacher is, they either tell you, we don't question that. They tell you there are no dinosaurs, that dinosaurs aren't real. And yet you can go to a museum and look at their bones and you're like, okay, this isn't a dinosaur. What is this? Or you have someone who might say, well, you know, dinosaurs are in the Bible. And and they may give some examples. Like usually the most common one is someone will point to the book of Job where God tells Job, you know, think about the behemoth and the Leviathan, which, you know, would be considered you know dinosaurs are large large animals which mm-hmm. we could see as dinosaurs um so you know it's stuff like that but then yeah you know you and even like when you think about like what a cult is and you look at it a lot of times when you look at the common factors or the foundational things of a cult usually it's you have a very charismatic narcissistic leader um usually you have people who and that's the thing. It's not really people who are like mentally ill that join cults, but sometimes there are people who have resources and people who are very intelligent and smart Yeah, who are hardworking. So it's not like these buffoons that join cults are really like well-educated, put together people, high functioning people join these cults right. because at least there's a need And this charismatic person says, here's this need. But then I think the other thing is that there's always rules and stipulations. This is what you need to do. This is what you need to believe. And here's 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 kind of this code of conduct, and yet it's always imposed on the members of the cult, but mm-hmm. it's never imposed with the leader or the leaders right. of the cult. And I can I can think of maybe a couple of different churches that fit into that. I mean, and I don't think every single church is a cult. I don't think that the whole mm-hmm. 
I don't think all of Christianity is a cult by any means. It's just certain churches, certain groups of people that I've seen or heard of definitely fit into that. Um, a pretty big famous church down in Texas <laughs> um, <laughs> definitely fits that mold in my mind anyway, you know, very mm-hmm. charismatic leader, very big following, very rich. <laughs> oh, I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm like, okay, Texas. And I'm like, well, there's a lot of big churches in Texas. And then when you said, oh, okay, I know who you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't, I don't want to just like put it out there. Like, huh, yeah. I, don't, I don't like this person, but <laughs> well, um, I, I'm with you. So <laughs> but um, it's okay. Yeah. yeah. But, I, I get you. Um, I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, and then of course the church that I went to that when I was 19, um, that church struck me as kind of cultish because all the women were expected to dress a certain way for modesty. They were mm. expected to act a certain way. The preacher was very just loud and charismatic, just very like personable. And then, um, I mean, I just, I went over to their house one day after church and I overheard him telling his daughter not to eat peanut butter because it was going to make her fat and unattractive. So, <laughs> okay. Yeah. And wow. so I just, yeah. And her, her, his daughter was maybe 13 and oh my to have, ha, to have her dad say something like that to her must have just ruined her self-confidence. <laughs> oh, I bet. I mean, it's and- just so, so things like that just kind of strike me as like, okay, well, you're definitely not who I thought you were. <laughs> yeah. And, and so. it's, 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 and yeah. And even that, like it, I mean, again, we, we go back to character and even like, you know, going back to this idea, you know, the other thing about cults is, you know, you're told something and you don't question it. Yeah. And I, I actually, we had something happen last Sunday, we were sitting around the table for lunch. And I remember Lizzie said, you know, something about how she's going to pray to Jesus and my mm-hmm. son says well jesus isn't real and and so i sit there and go well peter why don't you think jesus is real and you know laura and i are talking to him about he goes well because i can't see him yeah and i'm like (laughs) okay yeah i'm like so they're kind of a visual (laughs) then i ask him so then i ask him like so then i just kind of ask a question i go oh you know is is do you think george washington was real and he goes no yeah so it's like okay so we get it you know so it's like okay so we kind of talked about how you know there's people who were around years ago and you know this is what we believe as a church and kind of certain things we believe and everything else and and, you know we kind of talk about that but it was fact that you know he had questions and the first thing we did we didn't go oh yeah he's real just you know he's real just be quiet kid like it's like no it's like well if you have questions and even even over the summer there's um I was teaching a conference and then there's a bunch of teens who were asking me questions. I sat there and I asked them questions back to kind of understand what they're thinking and what they believe. And, and we're just having a conversation like right there at this camp at a, on a, on a porch, right outside the dining hall. And there was like a pastor who was there watching this unfold. And after everyone's done, they like went to go, you know, get changed and showered and everything for service. And this pastor comes over and goes, man, you're awesome. I'm like, wait, what? Like, it was so weird. Like yeah. why? He goes, because I don't know anybody who would actually have those type of conversations with kids. Most of the experience I have, they just tell them, well, you know, this is how it is and that's it. And they never sat there and listened to them and said, okay, well, yeah. what do you believe about this? How do you feel? What, what, and you know, I'd always ask these questions. And then once I got the understanding, kind of understand their mindset, it's like, okay, well, here's what I think. And let's see, and here's why I think this way. And let's see if 
we can find some common ground or some things that we can kind of build upon from there. And, right. you know, I just, I mean, I guess part of that might be just like my counseling part of me, but part of it's just like, well, I think that's just, it's better to understand people where they're coming from. And then that way you can kind of help not only teach them like, well, here's what I believe and here's what I think is correct. And here's what I think the Bible teaches. But at the same time, you know, I, I also want to respect your thoughts and your questions and kind of hopefully be able to kind of tie up some of those loose ends as well to kind of, you know, really make us really question and think and and grow from this conversation. So. Yeah. 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 And I, I guess another part of my thinking with that is just um, because I've taken like uh, these psychology courses Mm -hmm. in college and things like that, it's kind of made me question like what, church actually is as far as like you know the the hymns and the singing and like the the emotional feeling that you feel within the church it's like it's like in in psychology you know they teach you that your brain is why you feel these emotions Mm -hmm. and it kind of ruins it, it kind of ruins like how you feel about church it's like oh you walk in and you're you feel emotional you feel like god's presence is there and everything and then in college they teach you it's just because your brain is wired to do that <laughs> yeah oh yeah and and i think and i think there's always and that's always been a big thing where with summer camp you know i see all these kids come down have these emotional experiences make these like big spiritual choices and then the next summer they come back and they're coming down to the altar for the same sins, the same issues. And, and there was a part of me that said, okay, you know, is this, are we creating is, you know, it was always a question is the spirit of the Lord moving through to cause transformation or are we just creating an emotional experience? And, you know, and I think, you know, and, and here's the thing that I've always find fascinating within my research as a counselor and even as a pastor is I believe sometimes our emotions can really open up doors and, and break down walls for us to really connect with God in a very powerful way. But I believe that's something that has to be directed and has to be kind of not only directed, but discipled and followed up upon. And I feel like a lot of times what we've seen recently within the modern church, it's always about wisdom and knowledge and me delivering a TED talk every Sunday to yeah. stimulate your mind. And then you have the music that can stimulate your emotions and your heart. And yet we never see the connection with Christ. It's like, if I can stimulate your heart and stimulate your mind, then you get to come back. Then you'll come back next Sunday and you'll throw some paper in the pot and then we'll just keep this going. And yet it's like, well, there has to be another aspect of the worship service where we really have a experiential, genuine connection with Christ that leads to transformation. And I think sometimes we get, we get two thirds of the way there, but we're still missing the third part. And that's something that I've been struggling with and something that I've been trying to think like, okay, how do we do this? Cause I've seen it work where people have had genuine experiences with Christ and have had visions and everything else, which I'm like, Ooh, that's pretty cool. Like, you know, I want to learn more about this because this seems fascinating and it's, or they've had these emotional experiences and they actually do change. And it's not like I've had this emotional experience, but yet I'm going to continue to gossip about my coworkers at work every Monday. Like it's like they, there is a transformation. There is a change. So, yeah, yeah, but I do, I do agree with you that sometimes, you know, just the way our brains are wild, we can have, or why, why sometimes certain songs, like I know 
Easter, like if there's a certain song and my mother-in-law's there, instantly she's going to cry. Yeah, my mom's rid- the same way. <laughs> and, 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 and really, and a lot of it because it reminds her of her dad. Yeah. And I think that is kind of one of the big things that I think is so fascinating. So I'm like, wow, you know, that's absolutely wonderful. That's great. So, um, yeah, but I definitely agree with you. Like there is, there's a lot of stuff there. Um, so kind of, I know you've talked about, you know, your experiences at church growing up, kind of some of the questions you have. So where are you at now with your faith development? Are you involved in any type of service? Are you going to church? Are you, are you kind of just still in this like season of, searching and season of waiting and the season of kind of deconstruction trying to figure out what do I truly believe yeah I mean I I think that's kind of more where I am right now um mostly because I had a job that kept me from going to church because I worked every weekend um but even now that I could go to church um I I still question am I going to be accepted am I going to feel like I fit in? Am I going to, you know, get along with these people? Are, you know, are, is this church going to align with what I think to be true? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I've, I've been to a lot of different churches um, with friends, with family, you know, whatever. And I, I see a lot of churches going through the motions mm-hmm. um, and that's all it is. Mm. And so I have, I mean, there's, there's still a church that I would like to try um, because I've met the pastor. He seems very genuine. I mean, um, but I still, I still have doubts. I mean, cause there's just been so many different places that I've tried that, you know, whether, you know, the pastor might be really great and then the members are just awful <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, vice versa. Oh yeah. True. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I've, I just never have found, I guess, one great place where I feel like, you know, it's, it's like a family because I feel like churches, um, have had the same people and the same families for many, many years. And then they have like this newcomer come in and it's just kind of like, they just don't fit in because Mm -hmm. they're new. Their family doesn't go to that church. They haven't been around for like 60 plus years, you know, in this community, and so I yeah. guess that's just where I'm kind of like running into some like issues with finding a place. Cause I don't really feel like I belong anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, I guess it's just kind of where I am now. It's not that, it's not that I don't believe, I mean, I guess my faith has definitely been deconstructed with all of the things that have happened in my life, but I mean, um, I'm still open to church i'm still open to the thought of going to church but it's it's definitely caused me to question more than what i would have in the past for sure yeah and i and i definitely and i definitely understand that especially you know with all the experiences you've had like it's almost like well why would i fully commit to going somewhere if i don't entirely trust it because there's been some places that you know, the, the church that you reaffirmed your faith and got baptized, you thought, man, this is, this is my home. And then you find out, oh, this is, this is a very Not. toxic home and I need to yeah. get out. Like, and, yeah. and, and, or, or you have a season or you have a life change and all of a sudden you no longer fit the mold anymore. And you're yeah. kind of almost in a way kind of shunned. 
in some ways out of the community. You just don't feel welcome yeah. and don't feel a part anymore. So yeah, I totally get that. And I think that's something that, you know, I think that's something that where a lot of people are at right now. They're just, I mean, as much as the church wants to harp on, we need to get people to church. We need to get people to church. The biggest thing, and this is the biggest thing I've harped on. It's like, people are not going to come to your church if you do not change your culture. Right. And if you are, if you're still, if you're, and then again, you know, if someone's saying, Hey, well, this is going to be the changes we need to make. And you're going to say, well, no, because we've been, you know, we've been, well, things are fine just the way it is. We should just do it this way. Yeah. I think that's the big problem with churches these days, especially ones with older, with an older group of Mm -hmm. people, members, I guess they, they want to keep with their, ways of doing things Mm -hmm. and that's not going to bring the newer members into the church because you know the younger generation they want technology they want like contemporary they want you know they want things that are going to be like more upbeat and i think that's also a part of why it's hard to get people into church too and even Um, and even that i think yeah and even that i think kind of you know there's the technical reasons there's like the the music reasons but i think even that you know you want to go somewhere where you feel like that you connect that you feel like you're part of a family that you feel like that your presence there matters and that your voice matters and that your contribution matters. And, and, you know, and, and so many times I've seen, especially, especially with older churches, a lot of times I see where you can get new blood into the church and they actually want to stick around. And, but yet they're never asked to serve on a committee. They're never asked to serve. And especially when it comes to like leadership, like there could be someone who could be there who has great leadership qualities, but then yet when it comes time to voting and the way the structure of the church is, sometimes it seems like everyone's always voting the same people in to leadership to make decisions for the direction of the church. And it's like, well, if you have the same person who's been on this board for who's been at this church for 30 years, how do they know the direction that the church needs to go into the future to be not i'm not and i don't want to say stay relevant but in some way still continue to proclaim the gospel in a culture that is rapidly changing right right Mm -hmm. yeah yeah well good stuff emily and thank you so much for having this conversation with me i thoroughly enjoyed it it was great yeah for sure yeah. And guys, thank, thank you, you so much. Oh yeah. Not a problem. And guys, thank you so much for listening to the Scott Simmons podcast. I've been already, again, I'm so thankful. I've been getting a lot of love and support for the series. Thank you so much. It's a labor of love. And I think it's something that's very relevant and very uh, timely uh, in this day and age, especially in a, um, in a postmodern, uh, post uh, pandemic, or I guess we're still in a pandemic. So yeah. not post pandemic <laughs> yet, but in this culture. And I mean, we have, we're, we're just rapidly changing and I think it's good where people are kind of, especially, and especially if you're one of those church people who are like, well, how come young people aren't coming to church or why aren't people going to church? Well, hopefully this podcast is telling you why they're not coming to church. And maybe this will help you seek out resources or to seek help to be able to say, okay, we need to change something so that way we can have a community and a culture that is loving and supporting of people through all different walks of life. So that way they can still feel like that they are connected with Christ and we're just not going through the, 
the daily motions that we've been doing since, you know, 1927, you know? So guys, again, thank you so much for your love and support. Again, if you want to, if you have a question, feel free to go visit me at my website, thescottsemon.com, send me an email, and I definitely will take all of your uh, comments and greatly appreciate it, guys. And guys, thank you so much for listening, and we'll have a new episode next week. Uh, Talk to you guys later. Bye.